0: You're listening to the Meeting Midway podcast, a podcast of Midway United Methodist Church in Alpharetta, Georgia, featuring Pastor Jenny Andoni and Pastor Amanda Lane. Over the course of the podcast, we'll hear how the church relates to the real-world issues that matter to you and how God loves us all. Now, let's meet Midway.
1: Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Midway United Methodist Church. Would you please stand up and worship with us? your hands come on let's have some fun this morning in my wrestling in my doubts in my
2: midway it's wonderful to be together in god's house welcome to worship here at midway both those of you in person as well as those online ask you if you would after you when you sit down later to register your attendance either through the app the qr code in the back those of you online you may use the link there Uh, just a few announcements to share our extravaganza egg hunt is coming up april 16th 12 to 2 we need that's right we need candy and we need eggs you can uh, bring those donate them there's a receptacle in a basket in the welcome center today is um sunday we know the great work that our united methodist committee on relief does and hope you'll give generously to that as a second mile gift as you are able also, Easter lilies, you may purchase in memory or honor a loved one. They're $10 each. There's uh, sheets there for you to order those. And also, we're pleased to announce the hiring of a new director of communications. Reverend Pedro uh, Silva is coming to be with us. He's a part-time uh, local pastor right now. He's the director, creative director at Mount Pisgah Christian Schools. And we're excited to welcome him and his wife, Flavia, and their two boys next Sunday. So I know you will give them a more warm welcome. Let us now continue to worship our Lord and our God. Let us have a prayer. Almighty gracious God, it's wonderful, Lord, to be able to gather together in this house of prayer as your family a family of faith. We ask, Lord, um, that as we worship today, you would bind us together in your love, that we might go out and serve you faithfully and reach others who need to know that you love them and that you invite them into this family as well. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.
3: On the wind We're not lost We're just looking for you If it looks like we've lost All composure and pride If it feels like We've laid our restraint to the side We seem desperate It's just cause it's true
1: A place to show your glory
4: our children to come forward for our children's sermon this morning. Good morning, my friends. How are you this morning? Good. Um, I have a question. Who is in my family? Yeah? You? Yes, this is my son, right? But, um, Henry, you're also son. Yeah, Rosie's my daughter. And Miss Holly's my sister. And Mr. Mark is my brother. I'm not going to name anybody as my grandparents or my mom. But you are all in my family. Did you know that? We know that. You know that? All right. So you're in my family because we are all in the family. God. Yeah, we know that. Okay. We're all in the family of God, and God called God's better. children. When in so in the Bible today, we're talking about how Jesus saw a disciple he loved. He said, "Son, here is your mother," and he was pointing to his mom, Mary. And then he looked at Mary and he said, woman, here is your son. Now, this disciple was not really in Jesus's family. He was not, he was not like his true brother or um, like an uncle or a father. He was just someone that he knew. So Jesus said, now you're going to be in my family. And you know what Jesus says to all of us? That now we are all in the same family. So look out here. Look at these people sitting out here. Do you see moms and dads? Do you see brothers and sisters? All of those people are your family. Did you know that we We had a we have a huge family?
1: Everybody is God's
4: family. Everybody is God's family. Thank you, David. (laughs) Let's. I know. He might not be excited that we're all family but I sure am excited that you are all my brothers and sisters
3: my
2: family
4: alright let's say a prayer thank you for being part of our family thank you for our friends who are also family Amen. All right, y'all are welcome to go back um, with Miss Beth and Miss Wanda and go downstairs, or you can head back to your seats with your parents.
2: Let us go to God in prayer. Our Father who art in heaven, what a privilege it is to gather together as a family of faith to worship you. Even as Jesus was dying, he made provision for those he left behind, creating a new family, one that would love each other, even as he loved his disciples. Woman, here is your son, he said to his own grieving mother. Here is your mother, he said to his beloved disciple. And in doing so, he formed a new family, one based not on biology, but purely on selfless, active love. Those of us who were strangers became brothers and sisters, living out in our day-to-day life, Jesus' new commandment. To love one another as he loved us and gave himself up for us. Forgive us, Lord, when we fail to obey your command to love like you. Forgive us for when we hurt each other with thoughtless words, actions, or inactions. Help us to be more attentive to the hurts and needs of each other as well as to those outside this church, in this community who long to be a part of a family that will truly love them and accept and cherish them. Let us have the same love for each other, regardless of our differences in age, marital status, lifestyle, or theological or political leanings bind us together Lord with such a holy love that nothing will break the ties that bind help us to be there for one another as only family can especially during times of grief or illness for when one of us suffers we all suffer we lift up to you Lord the suffering not only among us but also your beloved children throughout the world Those who grieve and fear due to war and violence, those who hunger and thirst, those without health care or housing, they too are your beloved children, part of your family, our family. Make us generous in offering ourselves our time and our talents and our treasure to help alleviate suffering and bring healing and comfort. In the name of your Son, our Savior, our brother Christ, who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from you. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Good morning. Would
4: y'all pray with me? Almighty God, Lord, I pray this morning that you would speak, that your words would be heard, and your words would transform. In your name we pray. Amen. When I started seminary, my first week in seminary, my roommate said, Hey, um, I wanted to make a meal, and I thought it might be nice to invite some folks over. I said, Oh, yeah, that sounds great. Let's, let's do it. And um, we decided the end of our school week was Thursday. Most of us had Fridays off. Um, so we decided Thursday would be a good day to do this and we had folks over, and we enjoyed it so much, so we said, hey, let's, let's do this next week. So we did it the next week. And we said, oh, man, this is great. Let's, let's do it again. Let's do it next week. So we did it for three weeks, and then four, and then five. And it became a, a welcomed end to our week. It became a routine. And we called this group Dinner Therapy. It was a group of people, of seminarians who were coming together to enjoy time with one another. And little did I know it, but um, that would turn into a weekly, a yearly, and, and a lifetime community of people that I spend time and spend, um, do life with. And these people would be my community Forever. Uh, these are the people that I look to and I, I ask for prayer when I need prayer. They're the people that celebrate with me when we have celebrations. They're the people that cry with me when we have sadness or heartbreak. You can see, yeah, these are the pictures. We we vacation together every fall. We go to the mountains and we spend time together. They are the people um, that my children know as aunts and uncles. They're not family, but they are our aunts and uncles, so much so um, that David has asked on occasion, he'll say, now, is Elizabeth really in our family? Is is Aunt Elizabeth really my aunt? To which I say, well, no, but but she's like your aunt. And is Aunt Karen really my aunt? And is Thomas, her son, really my cousin? Eh, No, but yes. I wonder if you've got a community like this. A group of people that aren't family, but they are family. They're the people that you rely on. They're the people that you seek out when you need support, when you need help. They they accept you. They care for you. They encourage you. I think we all long to be in, in this type of community. We all long to be in a community where we're accepted and we're cared for. We want to be a part of a community. Where we're supported and encouraged. And we want to be part of a community that we know, without a shadow of a doubt, we're wanted. And that we are respected. I think the Christian community is that for most people. Well, it's that for, it's, it's supposed to be that. The Christian community is a community where we can go and we know that we are loved, we're cared for, and we're wanted. It's a community that comes together to support each other as family. The thing about the Christian community is that it encourages us to live together as one, to do life together, to celebrate the ups, to celebrate the downs, the ins and outs of life. But it also encourages us to blur those rigid lines The society tells us, here's the inside of the community and here's the outside. The Christian community encourages us to open our doors and our lives to experiencing new people inside and outside the community. Throughout this season of Lent, we have been reading Witness at the Cross, a book that explores the different people who who surrounded the cross as Jesus was crucified. The soldiers, the women, the two thieves who were, were crucified on either side of Jesus. We're looking at them, and we're looking at their experience and saying, what can this teach us about the crucifixion? What can we learn from this? Well, this week we are looking at the beloved disciple. The self-proclaimed disciple who Jesus loved. The author first refers to this beloved disciple in the, for the first time in John chapter 13. Jesus had, had gone up. They were in the upper room. He had washed his disciples' feet. He had prepared them, warning them, hey, I'm, I'm about to, to face Persecution. He had gone to them and and he had told Judas, hey, go do what you need to do. And then he tells them, he gives them a new commandment. Sort of his farewell, farewell discourse, he's saying, hey, this is important. And the new commandment is, I give you a new commandment that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also should love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. Did you guys hear a key word in there? Might there be something important in that passage that we remember? Anybody? What word? Love, yeah. So, so we learned in seminary, and I'm sure you've learned in your Bible studies too, that any time the author repeats a word, they, they're saying, hey, this is important. So love is repeated four times in this passage. And so I think Jesus wants us to know, hey, love is an important part of his ministry. I'd say yes. So in our scripture today, we see that Jesus entrusts his disciple. He practices this love, and he entrusts his beloved disciple to his mother. He creates a loving relationship between the two of them. I want to invite Madison Zilliac. She's going to come up, and she's going to read our scripture for us. You can find this scripture um, in John chapter 19, verses 25b to 27.
2: Meanwhile, standing near the
4: cross of Jesus, where his mother and his mother's sister married the wife of Colopsis and Mary Magdalene, When Jesus saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing beside her, he said to his mother, Woman, here is your son. Then he said to the disciple, Here is your mother. And from that hour, the disciple took her into his own home. The word of God for you, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Madison. Even in his death, Jesus takes the opportunity to care for the most vulnerable, the most marginalized of, the, of society. Jesus' statement from the cross, the, the energy that he uses with his, his dying words, creates what we call fictive kinship. Fictive kinship is the creation of family relationships where they do not exist by blood. Thus, the fictive term or the made up, it's a kinship that's created rather than happening through normal biological processes. This is just like my my dinner therapy group. We are family. A look from them to David or Will is like getting a look of you better behave from mom. Probably, as you saw today, they can do that look better than I can. It's also, think, consider also adoption. Adoption creates a fictive kinship. When a family adopts a child, that child becomes like a biological child, receiving all the benefits of a bio, as if that child had been born to that family. They're not biologically related, but they receive all the benefits of a biological child. It's a beautiful relationship. And so this scene in Scripture accords that relationship, a special status, to the beloved disciple. He's now an adopted member of Jesus' family. In my uh, cultural background study Bible, it highlights the importance of this relationship that Jesus created why it was so important that Jesus put the two of them together, the beloved disciple and the mother of Jesus. It said, Because men controlled most legal proceedings, having a male advocate was vital. Since Jesus, as the eldest son, was responsible for his mother's care, entrusting this care to another before he died was important. Jesus had younger brothers who would normally take the responsibility, but Jesus entrusted her care to a disciple treating him as a member of the family. In biblical times, women had no rights. Children had no rights. Aliens or strangers to the land had no rights. And so we see that, that oftentimes they were forgotten. They were not provided for. And so what Jesus is doing here is he is providing for his mother by giving, him, giving her a son. The son would then take care of her, taking any, any financial responsibilities, physical, sickness, health, anything. This son would take care of her. And we know, we see in the scripture, it says, and from that hour, the disciple took her into his own home. We see that the disciple did that. In obedience to Jesus's command, the beloved disciple takes the mother of Jesus in and treats her as his own. This was now his mother. He was now her son. But I also think that Jesus' intention with this was not just to provide for his mother, but but to send a a broader message, a bigger statement. His message becomes one of inclusion, one of openness in the ever-expanding family of God. We read in Scripture, and if we look at the Old Testament, we can see that, that God does this. God always provides for, for the least and the last, for the widows, for the orphans, for the strangers. Jesus, or God in the Old Testament, we see some, you know, that he said, when you are gleaning a field, when you're clearing a field, leave the outside leave the food on the outside, leave the, the produce on the outside, that's for people to come by and glean. God was always making provisions for those who had no one to advocate for them. And so Jesus does the same thing. He, he proves his love, he demonstrates his love by providing for his mother. The beloved disciple then proves his love, demonstrates his love by accepting Jesus' mother as his own. The beloved disciple lives as Jesus would have lived. Remember that commandment that Jesus would have given just the day before? Love one another just as I have loved you. You shall also love one another. And here's the important part. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. Jesus didn't say you people will know that you're my disciples if you can quote scripture. He didn't say people are going to know that you're my disciples if you go to go to temple or go to church every week. You, people will know you're my disciples if you can point out the wrong that other people are doing. Now Jesus simply said they'll know you are my disciples if you have love for one another, if you demonstrate it. Like I said, care for the vulnerable has always been a top priority for God and for Jesus. Scripture is is full of examples. The idea is that all of God's children would be cared for, would have a family within the family of God. The idea is that God's children, whether they are inside or outside the church, would be cared for and would be accepted. So how are we doing this for others? How are we opening the door and inviting new people to become part of our family? You know, I I love when we have a baptism, uh, an adult or a child baptism, where we're able to say, this, this child has, has been accepted into the family of God, how will you, the congregation, how will you, the congregation, care for them and help them grow? You know, we, we make that promise. Did y'all know that, that you're part of the baptism liturgy too? You promise to help a child, an adult, a youth, when they come before God and they enter into God's family. I also see exact examples of this fictive kinship active and here at Midway. I see members who volunteer to pick up their neighbors' children so their children can come to Sunday school if they're unable to be there that Sunday. I see people taking on on other children so that their friends can go away for a weekend. Can you imagine that doubling the amount of chaos in your house? I'm just saying. That's love. I see youth who, who help some of our older members with technology and attendance. I see youth who want to sit with older members rather than with the other youth. They have adoptive grandparents in this church But even more so, this church takes on the difficult task of caring for those who are mourning. You take on the difficult task of caring for those who are lonely and visiting the sick and visiting the homebound and making sure they're taken care of. You join together to care for those who need it the most. So I want to challenge us today to, to keep doing that. That's some great stuff. I can see the family of God in the faces of the people who are sitting out here today. But I also want to encourage you to take that further. How are you engaging with members of our community that are not, that are not part of our church? They're not part of our family yet. Yet. This morning David and I were were eating breakfast with um, the family promise folks. And there's one family, just one family this time. Um, a mother and her her two children. Um, and we had eaten dinner last night and Pat and Calvin Grimes were there and Violet and I like them, were there. And and he looked around and he goes, "Well, where's the rest of the family?" And I said, "What do you what do you mean? It's just these three people." I said, "That's the family that stayed here last night." And he goes, no, the other people that were here last night, they're the family. I said, oh, you mean Pat and Calvin Grimes and, and Violet and Alan Lycum? And he said, yeah, those are part of the family. And I said, you're right, they are part of the family, but they're, they're not here. They, they went to their own homes. I love, I love his, his idea that, hey, everybody's just part of the family and all these people belong together and it doesn't make any sense with they wouldn't be here. So who in this community needs, needs to be told their love? Who needs to be adopted in, adopted into our community? Who needs to be taken care of and reminded that they are loved, they are trusted, they are cared for, that they are respected? The family of God is ever-growing and it's ever-expanding. It includes everyone whether we think they should be included or not. The truth is, Jesus calls us. Jesus invites us to be one together, to continue being the family that we are, but to expand our family continually. So I want to challenge you to go out. Welcome new brothers. Welcome new sisters into your family. Take care of them as you would members of your own family. Invite them to participate in the family of God. Amen. Would you pray with me? Almighty God, we thank you that we are part of your family. God, we thank you that you have called us your children. And God, we thank you for the brothers and sisters here that invite one another to do life together. God, I just pray that if there's anyone here today that doesn't feel part of the family, Lord, that you would remind them that they indeed are and, that, um, and give us the opportunity to show that to them. But Lord, I also pray that we would go out and we would seek to find ways to remind others that they are indeed children of God and part of our family. In your name we pray. Amen.
2: Part of being a family is sharing our resources together so that together we can serve those outside the family. So let us now offer to God our gifts, our tithes, and our very lives.
1: Jesus, Lord of my salvation, Savior of my soul, send me out to the world to make you known. Jesus, King of every nation, this world's only home, send me out to the world to make Uh show. Every time I speak, I want to run to the ones in need in the name of Jesus.
4: for being with us this morning. For those of you who might not be part of our family, know that you are indeed part of our family, and we welcome you to come and to do life with us. I want to encourage you, my brothers and sisters, that as you go, go out and be the family of Christ. Go out and show love to those outside our walls. Go out and invite others to be part of the family. In the name of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, go in peace.
0: You've been listening to the Meeting Midway podcast from Midway United Methodist Church. The doors to our community are open to all, and we invite guests to join us at our services on Sunday. We have a traditional worship service at 8.30 a.m. in our historic chapel, an acoustic worship service at 9.45 a.m. in our historic chapel, and a contemporary service at 11 a.m. in our modern sanctuary. For more information, check us out online at midwayumc.org. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you soon.